Let us pray. Father God, once again, we are here to call upon you and ask that you would be so gracious as to grant us your spirit. Grant us your power, Lord, that we might not only see, not only hear, but that we would receive the kingdom once again this morning. And in receiving it, that we might worship you and glorify you, that we have been granted the privilege of entering into your blessedness, entering into your joy. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Pray we do not take it for granted. Pray that the word that is sown would find fertile, fruitful soil in our hearts. And that indeed, today, it would begin to not only germinate, but then to blossom and to bring forth fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Lord, this is our prayer this morning. We know this is only possible by your Spirit. So we say, Come. Come, Spirit of God, land fresh upon us. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. I was thinking this week as I was studying this parable and dealing with certain things in life, I was reminded of just how insufficient language really is. If you're anything like me, um, there's been times when you have been at a loss for words. Some of you don't understand that, but for the majority of us, there have been times when we have just been at a loss of words. We have sought to describe something and found Speech to be inadequate. We have found the limitation of our speech to be practically an insurmountable barrier. We have at time, at one time or another, found ourselves seeking to describe the indescribable. This week, in fact, I was had some um, unplanned and unintended work surgery indeed done on my mouth because I had uh, earlier this week I just had an unbearable toothache one night and the next morning I immediately went to the dentist's office and told them that something must be done immediately. One of the nurses in there asked me the question to describe the pain. I'm at a loss for words. How do you describe a toothache? What words do you use to describe natural childbirth? Do you adequately have the words to convey the pain of kidney stones? There are some things that are just seemingly so painful and so horrendous that they are beyond description. She took me in the back and they began to prep me for 
surgery, and the lady asked me, did I want gas or did I want the shot? And immediately I told her, lady, I will take everything you got. Whatever it is, I want it. Times like those, we understand the insufficiency of language because there is a depth to the human understanding that oftentimes human language cannot go. There are hues to the human imagination for which language is inadequate to describe the multitude of colors that maintain themselves in our imagination. And yet, this is true of us. How about when it comes to us talking about God? There's ever a time when language is inadequate. It is inadequate when we try to sum up the the magnitude that is the God of heaven and earth. In fact, the Bible knows this. God himself knows this, that there is an inadequacy in our minds to comprehend the greatness of who God is and what God has done and is doing. And this is what the prophet Isaiah says to us, where God himself says in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 18, to whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? You have none. Whatever you come up with, God far outstretches anything that your simple, mundane words can express. It says later on in verse 25, To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. The obvious, obvious answer to that question is no one. The obvious answer to that question is no think. There's nothing in human mind, there's nothing in human experience that can adequately be compared to the greatness of God. And even me trying to say that doesn't capture it. It was Robbie Zacharias who said, it's like getting your exam paper and at the top the first question is define God and give three examples. There is an insufficiency in human language and inadequacy in the human mind and God knows this. It was Martin Luther who said when God speaks to humanity God always speaks in baby talk. He always speaks in baby talk because that's about all you can handle, and we can't really handle that. Luther meant that for us to understand the greatness and the immensity and the incomprehensibility of God, God must condescend and speak in terms that we can understand. And this is what Jesus is doing when he speaks in parables. When Jesus speaks in parables, he's condescending to speak in our language so that we might comprehend 
that which ultimately is incomprehensible, namely the kingdom of God. To what shall we compare the kingdom so that you can understand it? How shall I illustrate the kingdom of God so that your minds and your language can comprehend the glories that are inherent within. The kingdom of God is incomprehensible. It's incomparable. And yet Jesus, in these parables, he describes the indescribable. He compares the incomparable He makes for us the incomprehensible, comprehensible, absolutely amazing, beloved. Let us not for a moment take lightly our Lord speaking in parables so that those whom he has called whom he desires to understand the kingdom, might understand it. This morning, as we saw last week, he compared the kingdom to a man, a farmer, who sows seed on the various types of soil. This week, Jesus picks up that same line of thinking as we continue here in the Gospel of Mark, and we see again to what would Jesus compare the kingdom, and he reminds us, in this passage, that the kingdom of God is a kingdom revealed. Understand that the kingdom of God is a kingdom that is being revealed. It's a kingdom that is revealed. It's a kingdom that must be revealed. But it's not only a kingdom revealed. Then Jesus goes on to explain that the kingdom of God is a kingdom that is to be sought. It's a kingdom to seek. And then he concludes this passage with reminding us the kingdom that is being revealed is a kingdom that is to be sought because there is a king within the kingdom who is to be trusted. Who is to be trusted. There's a kingdom. There's a kingdom that is being revealed. And you see that in verses 21 and, and through 23 in chapter 4. What is the kingdom of God? That's a question that we should probably ask, and that's an answer that should be readily on all of our tongues because we speak of the kingdom of God so readily. But what is the kingdom of God? Well, if I might put it in a nutshell, in, in terms in which I can understand it, the kingdom of God is the reign and rule of God in heaven and on earth. It is manifest in heaven. It is being revealed upon the earth. It is the unconquerable dominion of God in the world, in the heavens, but also in the hearts of human beings. That's the kingdom of God. And in one sense, we should understand that the kingdom of God has always been among us. 
For wherever God has reigned and ruled, there was the kingdom. There is the kingdom. And so in one sense, the kingdom has always been among us. When God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, he was there establishing the kingdom of God. For he says to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and take dominion upon the earth. Multiply what? The image of God. So that the kingdom of God would be spread upon the earth as it is in heaven. After God destroys the the known world, after God destroys the world and saves Noah and his family out of the flood, he establishes Noah and his family once again upon the earth. And what does he tell Noah and his family? He tells them, team tells them to team upon the earth. He doesn't mean partnership, but he means to, to, to multiply. To multiply upon the earth. Be fruitful and multiply and once again take dominion and establish the kingdom of God upon the earth as it is in heaven. You know, when God calls Israel from Abraham loins, from Sarah's womb, even from Egypt. He calls them as a nation. He calls them as a holy nation. He calls them as a particular and peculiar people for him, for his own self. He calls them as a nation of priests so that they might show forth his glory upon all the earth and manifest the rule and the kingdom of God among all the nations. And even in Israel's rebellion, God does not give up the goal of establishing his kingdom upon the earth. For you remember when they rebelled against God and they didn't want the rule of God and they go to Samuel and they say, Samuel, we want a king like all of the other nations. And Samuel is distressed. Samuel is distraught because he believes that they have rejected his leadership. And God says to Samuel, Samuel, don't be distraught. It is not you they have rejected. They have rejected me as king. Because I am going to establish my kingdom upon this earth. When God raises up David, what does he say about David? Here is a man after my own heart. Someone through whom I might manifest the kingdom of God among all the nations and peoples of the world. And yet still, because of sin, Adam and Eve rejected Noah and generations after him rejected. Israel rejected. David and his sons moved away from the reign and the authority of God upon the earth. Because of sin, the kingdom of God was obscured. And men and women went about and determined to establish their own kingdom. 
And Satan himself has sought to divert the honor and the glory of the kingdom of God and his dominion upon the face of the earth. But the thing that the Bible keeps calling us back to over and over and over again is that the plan and the purposes of God will not be thwarted. That the plan and the purposes of God will stand. So when Jesus comes into the world as the second Adam, when Jesus comes into the world as David's greater son, Jesus comes into the world as the king who is once again establishing upon the face of the earth the kingdom, the rule, the reign of God. Jesus is the revelation of the kingdom of God. But this time, beloved, Jesus says, this time the lamp will not be put out. This time, the lamp will not be put under a basket. This time, the light will not be put under a bed. But this time, you will come to see that that which from the beginning was supposed to be revealed is now going to be revealed. The kingdom of God has come. And the light for all the world to see. And what was concealed in the Old Testament is now being revealed in the new. What was a shadow in Adam and David and Solomon has become the substance and the reality in Christ. The kingdom will no longer be hid. The light of the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ will no longer be kept quiet. It is going to be manifest. It is going to be made known. It is going to come to light. In fact, Jesus himself says in Luke chapter 19 and, and verse 40, that if you refuse to proclaim the kingdom of God, the rocks are going to cry out this time. Because the kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God is going to be revealed. And then he says, if anyone has ears, let him hear it. If anyone has ears, let him hear it. If you have ears this morning, if you have ears this morning, beloved, don't dismiss the call of Christ to embrace the kingdom by embracing the king. Don't miss it. Don't miss the call of the kingdom. Don't miss the revelation of the mystery that once was hid but now is being revealed. Those who have ears hear. Those who have eyes see. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Jesus himself said in John chapter 8 that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but we'll have the light of life. 
He is the light. He is the light that is no longer hid. He's the light that can't be put under a bushel. He is the light that is calling us and is beckoning us to come and follow him. So you better walk in the light. Beautiful light. Come where the dew drops. Her mercy shine bright. Because he desires for them to shine all around us. By day and by night. Because Jesus himself is the light of the world. Do you see him? Do you hear him? Don't miss the call. Because our God is a God of light. Our God is a God of revelation. And yet, the understanding, the comprehending of divine revelation, beloved, and don't miss this. It is not for all. It's for those who have ears to hear. Those who have eyes to see. And who are these? They are those who not only understand that the kingdom is being revealed, but then they understand that that which is being revealed is to be sought. They seek the kingdom of God. They seek it. They seek it. They seek it. You see this in verses 24 through 25. Jesus reminds us that the kingdom of God is ultimately for those who seek it. Notice what he says. He says, pay attention to what you hear. Listen carefully to what you are hearing. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. The New Living Translation translates one of those verses this way. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. Here's the point. The use of the light determines the amount of light to be given. The use of the light determines the amount of light that is to be given. You know, God delights to reveal himself. That, that, that's what he does. And it is his delight, it is his glory, it is his joy. In Psalm 19, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaim his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their, their voices go out through all the earth, and the words to the end of the world. There is God everywhere. There is no place where the voice of God is not heard. He's there. The heavens declare it. The earth shows forth the mighty majesty of God. Beloved, there is no one in the world 
who does not know that there is a God. They know there is a God because they didn't put the stars in the heavens. They know there is a God because they can't make it rain. They know there is a God because they don't know where snow is stored. They know there is a God because there are Leviathan in the depths of the sea over which they have no control. They know that there is a God because everywhere, night and day, day and night, the voice of God shouts, I am God and there is no other. I am the maker of heaven and earth. Worship me. Notice what the psalmist says. The stars have no speech. The psalmist says, there is no voice, and yet, God is heard. God is there. God is revealed. God is known. What, does human, what do human beings do with that knowledge? Paul said in Romans chapter 1, Verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his internal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived, clearly perceived, ever since the creation of the world in the thing that have been made so that no one has an excuse. Beloved, our God is not a secret agent God. He is not a secret agent God. He delights in self-revelation. And yet, and yet, God is not wasting his revelation either. He's not going to waste it, beloved. Those who refuse to heed the revelation of God will have even that revelation sooner than later taken away from them. Even that which is clearly perceived in the creation, those who refuse to bow down and acknowledge the God who has created them and that eventually even that light will be put Love. Here's the danger. Jesus is warning against here. And that is even to us that most people in the church only want enough of Christ so that others won't question their Christianity. That's all. They're minimalists. Just give me the bare minimum. I just want enough of Jesus so that those around me can be comfortable with my Christianity. So, 
Just a little bit. Just enough. And I know this is true. I know this is true. You know it's true. If you be honest, this morning you know it's true. And it manifests itself in a variety of ways. The type of conversations we have. The type of desires that we pursue. I spent all week preparing a sermon, getting up here and sweating through the proclamation of it. As soon as the sermon is over, if you want to come to talk to me about the ball game, soon as the message, the seed is sown, I want to talk about clothes, shoes, and shirts. Go from here this week and the message of the gospel becomes an ever-fading memory so bad by midweek or late week the conversations of the world and the pursuit of the things of the world has totally taken over and the seed that was sown is gone but you got enough just enough so nobody's going to question whether or not you're a Christian There is a great light that is not only being revealed, but it is to be sought. And if you are not diligent in being stewards of the light, even that you are receiving this morning, sooner or later, even that light will be taken away from you. Beloved, our Lord is not missing words here. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And he's saying it is to be sought. If you have ears, hear this morning. Hear the call of Christ. Seek the kingdom of God. For those, those who give attention to what they receive, Christ says, those are the ones who will be granted more. You're going to be granted more. Here's the principle. The more of the kingdom you seek, the more of the kingdom you get. And the more of the kingdom you get, the more of the kingdom you seek. More. Get it, you get it, you get it. But Christ says, for the one who has, more will be given to him. For the one who is being a faithful steward over the revelation that he or she has received, more revelation will be given to him. More. More what? More understanding. More wisdom. More discernment. More grace. More Christ. More God. More. Those who truly have ears to hear, those who truly have eyes to see, they want more. More. They can't get enough. They want more. Every time they hear the word of God, they want more. They come to Christ and say, Lord, give me more. I need more. 
more. I need more. Lord, give me more. The Lord looks at him and says, she gets more. He gets more. Why? Because they are seeking the kingdom of God. And how, how do you do that? How do you seek the kingdom of God? How do you seek first the kingdom of God? And all that God has. And know that all this other stuff will be added unto you, as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. How do you seek the kingdom of God? You seek the kingdom of God by observing what God has already done. And you say, God, I want more of that. You don't sit around and complain about what you don't have. You don't sit around and complain about what God isn't doing, but you observe all that God has done, all that God is doing, and you praise him for that. And he says, ah, she can be trusted with more. He can be trusted with more. No matter how much you have of Christ. Those who have ears to hear and eyes to see say, Lord, give me more. I need more. Lord, give me more. If you have eyes to eat, if you have ears to hear, hear God saying, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thought. Let him return to the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Beloved. If you have received the light of Christ, seek more. For he is near unto you and he delights to give us more, more grace, more mercy, more understanding, more discernment, more wisdom, more light, more Christ. That's what God promises, says in Jeremiah chapter 29. For I know the plans I have for you, plans for wholeness and not for evil, to give your future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, hear the call of Christ, see the light of the kingdom, and they seek after God. They seek Him, seeking, seeking, seeking. Well, beloved, there is coming a day. Jesus said in John chapter 7 and verse 34, when those who seek Christ 
will not be able to find it. There is coming a time when those will look around for the light of God in this world and that light will have been put out. This is why God says, seek the Lord now while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. You will find that he is a rewarder. He delights to reward those who diligently seek him. The kingdom of God is a kingdom being revealed. It is a kingdom that we are to seek. Lastly, as a king who is to be trusted. You see this in verse 26 through 24. Jesus gives these parables. When you hear the message of the kingdom, you, you hear the sound. This is what Jesus is saying here in these parables. When you hear the kingdom of God, if you have ears to hear, the sound that you hear is the sound of inevitability. That's the sound. It is the sound of the inevitable. And what is the inevitable? The coming of the kingdom. It's coming. And if you hear, you know it. If you see, you know it. When you see the glory of the kingdom, you see the signs of certainty. And you understand the certainty of the kingdom is the trust the God who is the king of the kingdom. Notice what Jesus does. He, he, he proves this by giving these two parables here. He says, the kingdom is a man who scattered seed on the ground and then went to bed. He scattered seed on the ground and then he slept. You know, in the Bible, when the Bible speaks of sleeping, most times it speaks it in negative terms. In Proverbs chapter, chapter 20 and verse 13, the Bible tells us that we should not love sleep. Isn't that right, honey? That we should not love sleep lest we come to poverty. God expects us to be awake. When his disciples, he goes into the garden to pray and he's praying to the disciples. He tells the disciples, stay awake. Don't sleep on me. He comes back and what happens? They're sleeping. Because most of the time in the scriptures, the idea of human beings sleeping is the idea of human beings not being aware of what happened, not having spiritual discernment, not having understanding, and therefore being, and therefore being easily subdued and, and manipulated by the enemy for his wiles and his devices. However, here, when it comes to the kingdom, and the man who has scattered the seed, Jesus says, the man slept, which is a good thing because it demonstrates confidence that the man has in the seed that is sown. He has confidence that the seed that was sown is going to have its proper work. And once he has sown the seed... He can go to sleep. He can rest. 
He has confidence in knowing that his calling was simply the sowing of the seed. And if the seed is going to germinate, if the seed is going to produce a sprout, and if the seed is going to grow, it is not because of anything he's going to do, and therefore, he sleeps. He slept because he had trust, not in what he was able to do, but in the one who promised seasons of seed time and harvest. He slept. He slept because he had trust in the God whom the Bible says never sleeps or never slumbers, and therefore he can sleep. He slept. Because he trusts. He slept. Because the God over the harvest can be trusted. Now, we know what it is to trust lesser things all the time. Many of us in here often have problems and and issues in trusting God. So we don't sleep. We spend all of our waking hours trying to figure out and manipulate our lives in such a way so that we can produce the greatest amount of joy and happiness. And when that doesn't happen and inevitably is not going to happen, guess what? We lose sleep. We don't trust God. But we trust lesser things all the time. Give you a couple examples. I go to the dentist. They do the operation. Lady hands me a sheet of paper. She said, Here, take this to the pharmacist. I can't read a thing on it. I go to the pharmacist. I say, Here. She says, Come back in 20 minutes. I come back in 20 minutes. She hands me a bottle full of pills and say, Take some of these. I have no idea where those pills come from. I have no idea who made those pills. I have no idea what is the composition of those pills. I really have no idea what those pills are going to do to me. But what do I do? I take the pills. Why? Because I trust. I trust the doctor. I trust the pharmacist. Because I trust. Beloved, if you can trust your pharmacist, you can trust God. No offense, Andre. If you can trust your pharmacist, you can trust God. We don't trust the pharmacist. Last time you've been, you go to the airport. You go to the airport. You stand in there. They're checking you in. They say, we'll take those bags. They put those bags on a conveyor belt. Whatever possessions you have in that bag have just disappeared. And you make your way through security, through onto the plane, hoping and trusting that they have put your bags on the plane. Now, if you've been traveling for any amount of time like I have from time to time, then you know there have been times when they have lost those bags. 
and they have violated your trust. But guess what happened the next time you flew? You gave them your bags again. Because you trust the airline. They're not only going to get you there safely, but but your bags are going to be there when you arrive. Beloved, if you can trust the airlines, you can trust God. If you can sleep on the airplane, you ought to be able to sleep in your bed at night, knowing that there is a God who has promised seed time and harvest. And he is a king who can be, who can be trusted. You notice that we trust God with the hidden and yet inevitable work of the Spirit in the world and in our lives. That's what Jesus is saying. The reason that the sower, the reason that the farmer sleeps is because he understands that there is a power. There is a hidden power that is working in the hidden places, in the soil that is breaking that seed open, that is causing that seed to to spring forth and break through the soil of the earth and it's going to sprout. When he wakes up, he sees the sprouting. And they asked him, how did that happen? And Jesus says, the man says, I don't know. I don't know. But then he says something very interesting. Jesus says, it does it all by itself. The Greek word there is automatas, from which we get the English word automatic. It's automatic. God has worked within the kingdom of God, the automatic growth of the kingdom. When the seed is sown, the growth is automatic. Because there is a power over which you have no control, over which you have no dominion. And if you have faithfully sown the seed this morning, I say to you, go to sleep. Because the kingdom is going to grow. It's going to grow in the world. It's going to grow in your life. And Paul understood this. To the Corinthians, he's trying to explain it to them. He said, y'all get all caught up in me, and y'all get all caught up in Peter. Y'all get all caught up in Paulus. Let me explain something to you, okay? I planted. Apollos watered. I don't know how y'all all got here. It had to be God who ultimately gave the increase. Because all I did was put the seed in the ground. Paulus came around and put a little water on it. But all that we see, the manifestation of the kingdom, that was the working of the God's Holy Spirit. And that, beloved, is automatic. 
I don't know. I, I just don't know. I don't know how the gospel works in people's lives all the time. It just does. I've seen it. I can testify to it. I can't tell you all the ins and outs and how the gospel gets down in the heart and begin to break it and to root out the sin so that it manifests fruit in their lives. I don't know. It just works. But I can't explain my salvation. I can describe it, but I can't explain it. I can't explain. It's like the blind man in John in chapter 9 when he gets healed of his blindness. And they, they come to him and they say, tell us about this Jesus. This Jesus, he's, he's a heretic. This Jesus, he can't save you. He's a sinner. How can Jesus do this? And the blind man looks at them and says, look, I don't know about all y'all theological debates. And I'm not privy to all of the higher uh, intellectual discussions. All I know is that at one time I was blind, but now I see. That's all I know. Beloved, that's the kingdom. He can't explain it. But when it comes, you see it. You know it in your own life. And there's something, something, something down on the inside working its way on the outside. And I just can't explain. But I know it's there. That is what Jesus says, beloved. The kingdom is as a man who scattered seed in the ground, and then he went to bed and he slept. But the kingdom is also as a grain of mustard seed, that though the smallest becomes larger than all the plants of the garden. So that Jesus is saying that we not only trust God with the means of the growth, the sowing of the seed, but we also trust him with the harvest. Knowing that ultimately the harvest will be great. It's going to be great. Admittedly, it doesn't always look that way, beloved. You see the little seed, just a little bitty mustard seed. You look around and you say, where are all the Christians? Can you imagine that's what the early church was doing? That's what the disciples were doing. They're huddled up in a room. After Jesus had been crucified, where are the disciples? They're huddled up in a room, scared out of their minds. Trying to recall all the things that Jesus promised them. Oh my goodness. They got him. We are not long on the earth. Doesn't always look promising. Even in your own life. It doesn't always look promising. There are times where it looks like there's very little fruit. There looks like there's very little movement. There looks like there's very little growth. Beloved, trust in the God who hath promised. If the seed hath been sown, sooner or later, there will be a harvest. And that little mustard seed of faith in your life, he has promised is going to blossom into the most glorious and the beautiful, most beautiful and the grandest plant in all the garden. So much so that others will come and stand underneath your shade. That is the glories of the kingdom. That's why the king can be trusted. 
here's the truth to be reminded that the work which his goodness began, the strength of his arm will complete. For his promises are yes and amen, and they've never, never been forfeited yet. Paul reminds us in Philippians chapter 1 that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. Make no mistake about it, beloved. Sooner or later, whether you see it right now or not, the kingdom of God is going to blow up. Here's the question. Do you have ears to hear? Do you have eyes to see? For the kingdom of God is spiritually discerned. Don't miss that this morning. What does Jesus conclude with? That the kingdom of God is proclaimed to all, but it's only explained to a few. It is proclaimed to all. It's only explained to a few. Jesus took his disciples and privately he explained it to them. Because these things are spiritually discerned. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. For they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The kingdom of God is spiritually discerned, and you must have eyes to see and ears to hear, or these will simply be stories. Or you will go away from here thinking that you've heard a nice motivational speech. Rather than the call of Christ to seek him while he might be found. Call upon him while he, might be, while he is near. To make your calling and election sure this morning. Right now. Don't leave this place. Without a desire to seek God. Don't leave this place this morning without sincere desire to make your calling and election sure in Christ. Seek Him while He may be found. Hear the voice of God calling unto you. Believe in Christ. Repent from your sins. Hear Christ calling you to be one of his own, that he delights to not only proclaim the kingdom, but explain it to you. Leave here saying, Lord, I need more. Lord, give me more. Gotta have more. I need more. I need more. I need more. Lord, give me more. He will delight, as he did his disciples, to pull you aside and explain to you even further by his spirit the kingdom of God into which you have been called. He who has ears, let him hear. Amen. Father God, Lord, I pray no one leaves this place 
doesn't know you in the pardon of their sin, hasn't called upon you in faith and repentance, doesn't hear the voice of Christ and seek the kingdom of God with all of their hearts, with all of their minds, and with all of their strength. Come now by your Spirit. Do your work in this place. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.